1: Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing
0: It's something, The something of something, I have absolutely no idea. I'm Amos Murphy.
3: I'm Adam Booker.
0: And this is, apparently, the City Report Point News. Aguero's
2: the goal! going!
3: Sergio Aguero!
1: Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6... It's 2 for Dzeko! Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4.
0: They have made the impossible possible.
3: On your way back from Istanbul, had one too many beers or one too many kebabs? Well look no further than Discount Dragon where you can find all of your daily items like toilet paper, laundry detergent, and loads of other stuff for very affordable prices. Listeners to this show can use the code Save for an extra 5% off your next order as well. That's Save. Discount Dragon. T's and C's apply.
0: Well then, Adam, I've... Um... I think I've got enough in me as you can tell obviously from my now infamous monologue on yesterday's show which by the way was bloody brilliant if you haven't already do go back and listen to it later on I have mustered up enough energy just about to uh, jump on today you're obviously on hosting duties yesterday how was it and
3: how are you? Uh, Yeah it was good it was good to have um, a good mix of people that weren't in Istanbul and that were in Istanbul and Um, it's, it's cool to have seen the different emotions and the different experiences and how watching the game at home is so different from watching it in person and having the, the joint anxiety of thousands around you versus maybe being able to, to be more logical watching at home and so on and so forth. But Mm. yeah, I'm good. Was, was sick last week, but, uh, had the, had the game on this weekend and kicked enough of the symptoms that I could, uh, drink a Bosphorus worth of, of Guinness.
0: Well, if if you've drank the Bosphorus, I think I've drank the Black Sea. I have I've always wondered what it was like to be and you know, you're you're a liberal man, Adam in a liberal city, but I've always wondered what it's like to be a rock star going from bar to bar until the early hours of the morning. so saw a fantastic tweet actually, someone, um I can't remember the name, so apologies if you're listening, but someone said it's remarkable what Istanbul has done to me because now I've realized that on, I can do anything on three hours sleep like seize the day let's go for it I was usually an eight hour man now I'm not I'm I'm happy with the, the three to four hours
3: yeah yeah this weekend was uh I'm sure it was a test of of willpower for a lot of people but mm. um it does help when you've got just about every uh, every hour or so, you're at a new fan zone or a new pub or mm. whatever it is that they're they're encouraging the party to keep going. So that probably helps. But yeah, what a weekend! I uh, it's it definitely hasn't sunk in yet.
0: No, it's no, still. Want, when when do you with, think with, it will? Has it started to? Do you think seeing the the celebrations? I'm trying in to think back
3: like to yeah, I'm trying to think back <clears throat> to ninety three twenty or past league title wins and. There's nothing really to compare it to, is there? Mm. Like there's never been a season in which there's literally zero regrets. You know, you can look back on 93-20 and and obviously you win the first league and that's incredible. Or you look back on on, you know, 2018-19, even winning the the domestic treble. But that that Spurs game stuck with everybody. Mm. There was there was always still something that kind of stuck with you. And as much as we love to go on about kings of the carabao you know we're not going to look back at the season as the season where we almost won the carabao cup it's the season where we conquered football um, speak for yourself <laughs> so uh, i don't know if i can draw on any experiences to to tell you when it'll sink in but mm. i think once the dust has settled there's no more parties there's no more footage of players celebrating and and all that and we kind of have to get back to normal life in a sense mm. then maybe it'll it'll click.
0: Yeah. Mm. Excuse me, full clarity. I'm drinking a, a glass of champagne whilst we record, hence the uh, little pause. Then, but I know exactly what you mean. That it's not sunk in for me, as you can you can probably tell. But the the moment it hit me, the moment I realised, and the moment I sort of had that epiphany was when I saw the Champions League alongside the Premier League and the FA Cup because we've seen them before in the blue, blue and white ribbons. We've seen that. That's happened. You know, We've lifted them. We've had multiple, I think it's seven Premier League titles in 11 years, whatever it is. Few FA Cups, obviously not the League Cup this time around, but we've seen that. But the Champions League, it is... You know, we, Our opinions are well known on the UEFA Champions League, but for me, the European Cup is something that you grow up and you idolise. And, and Luke Barsley, actually on yesterday's show, summed it up perfectly. I find, like, when he said, I call it the European Cup, and I think that's, that is, that's for me, that's exactly how I feel. It's the European Cup. You are kings of Europe. And to see Ilkay Gondwan, Kevin De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, Pep Guardiola, blue and white ribbons, the European Cup, Manchester City, it's a match made in heaven.
3: Yeah, and it's good you mentioned the players because that was when I think it clicked for me. Everyone who listens to this show knows... That you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of UEFA or the competition in general, and it probably took me until about the last ten minutes of the final, or maybe maybe when the Rodri goal goes in, which we'll get to, but maybe that's when it finally felt like something special. Mm. But but it really clicked for me at the full time whistle when there was players dropping to their knees and crying mm. and and you know face down in the pitch, and and it was a type of emotion that I only remember from 9320. I don't mm. remember any of the league title wins of the past feeling like that. You know, maybe the Gundogan goal, but even then it was more of jubilation and and just like unbridled joy as opposed to yeah. You've left every ounce of your heart and your soul and your blood and your sweat on on the pitch in Istanbul mm. and it, it was almost more of relief than joy. And I think that's when it clicked for me that no, actually, this is something really special. No, no matter how I feel about UEFA or the competition or, or what the competition is kind of designed to be, yeah, this actually is something special that we should never, ever, ever forget or take for granted.
0: Well, you're right to bring up the Gundawan moment as well because I think that felt so much different for that, – that was jubilation – but we'd had that before and it's not to take the shine off it, but we'd had ninety 20 we'd come from behind on the final day to win a Premier League title. I think ninety three twenty and this treble win the Champions League final is the only sort of comparison you can really make. But everyone's, what, 11 years older? I certainly wasn't drinking Prosecco recording podcasts when I was 11 years old, or at least I hope I wasn't because the child, child services would be knocking on the door. But, you know, we've grown up with this sort of this era of success and we've always had the shadow of the Champions League, City will never win it. And to be, to be honest, you can go back and listen to podcasts. I said we'd never win it under Pep. And it felt like we'd never win it under Pep. And it looks until the ninety, well, beyond the ninety fifth minute, when Edison made that save, that we'd never win it under Pep because Inter Milan were bloody good, City were bad. But um, there's no real set list for this show, by the way. We're just sort of bootlegging it a little bit, like Jack Grealish on the decks. But let's go into some of those individual storylines because I I did tease it in my little monologue yesterday. But where do you want to start? Kevin De Bruyne going off injured sounds like a decent start. That was. That was for me like it felt like a crushing moment. I've, I felt like okay, we're, we're losing this game from that moment on.
3: Yeah, yeah, fully agree. That that was a moment in which it just kind of felt like the past rewriting itself. It, it felt mm. like this is City in the Champions League. We breeze past Real Madrid. We breeze mm. past Bayern Munich. You know, winning what seven nil over the two home home legs in those those ties, and and you get to the final against probably certainly in the knockout round, probably the weakest opposition you've played, may, maybe Inter Milan is, is, has a leg up on, on RB Leipzig. but hmm. and, you, and you have this moment where, in our eyes, it's finally the time, and Kevin De Bruyne is going to lead this team to a Champions League final and, and kind of mark his name down as probably the greatest midfielder English football hmm. has ever seen, and so on and so forth. And, and he goes <clears> off in such a, a limp way, no pun intended, but it's almost like the the 2021, it, it like made sense to see him go off because he got mm. his face broken by a shoulder. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this, to see him just sit down on the pitch and mm. look defeated, it almost felt like the defeat came right there. It was like an um, old dog,
0: wasn't it? Like a dog when they just give up. Like, you yeah. know, that's the end. That's what it felt like.
3: Yeah. Um, I was filled with a lot of encouragement to see Phil Foden coming on. But, you know, in that moment... I remember having my my hand or my head in my hands and probably on the verge of tears, and Laura was next to me and was mm. something along the lines of you know phil's coming on he'll he'll do fine, Jack is still on the pitch <laughs> all that kind of stuff and Laura's trying to kind of keep me up and I was saying no it's not, it's not even that I don't trust the rest of the players to pick up the slack it's yeah. that I'm just so gutted for him i just mm. I wanted this for him so bad I wanted yeah. him to play a role in it um so yeah, that that very much felt like a moment where it could all go wrong, but you've got to give credit to the rest of the players that that may have been a psychological blow in 2021 and it wasn't this time around.
0: Uh, and it goes back to the, and I was saying it before the game and I'll say it after the game learning from your mistakes that is the only way you can win this competition knowing what works knowing what doesn't work knowing the feeling of losing a key player like Kevin De Bruyne midway through a Champions League final when you're chasing the game and knowing what to do after it and you know Guardiola has has earned his praise in the last few days. And let's face it, he's the best of all time. We don't need to sort of wax his arsehole anymore. But to think of that moment when Kevin De Bruyne has just gone off, probably is he City's most important player? Would you say? You know, obviously we we say Rodri and we say that because, we you know, we're, we're, we're hipsters, let's put it that way. But, you know, in terms of the actual man, it, most people would say... He may say be
3: for Kevin an emotional point of view. I yeah. think for the emotions of the team, yeah,
0: yeah, um, and well, obviously- you know, we
3: saw we saw it after the game when there's there's video footage of it somewhere of Phil Foden walking over to him and saying, "This is for you. This is for you."
0: Yeah,
3: and yeah. I think that tells you everything right there. You know, it, he's not doing that to Erling Holland who who scored the most goals, or mm. he's not doing it to Ederson who who made those saves. He's doing it for Kevin De Bruyne who didn't even play on the day. Essentially, mm. he didn't play a role on the day, and yeah. I think that tells you everything that. Gundawan may have the armband, and and Holland may score the goals, and Diaz may keep, you know, help keep keep the clean sheets, but mm. but he, re- Kevin, is is very much the emotional heartbeat of the team,
0: and 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 a leader. You know, he he doesn't necessarily sort of come across as the you know Ruben Diaz esque alpha male, but I think he's probably a modern day alpha male in that sense. But but going back to to the point about Guardiola, in that moment, in the literal heat of the Ataturk, it was roasted to think. Okay, what could I do? I could put Bernardo Silva in midfield. He's done that role a million and one times before. No, I'll put Phil Foden there. And central midfield is probably a loose term to, to describe what he was doing. It was sort of like a floating, left-sided half-back kind of, sort of, a free-roaming midfielder, almost like you know Kevin De Bruyne does himself. But that that decision for me. Probably on the night, bar individual performances from Ruben Diaz Edison. I think that decision probably won City of the Champions League because he absolutely bossed it.
3: He did. I think it was I think it was really brave of Pep, to be honest, mm. to do that because you could see some, the headlines. Some might now. say
0: he was overthinking.
3: Yeah. You could see the headlines <laughs> now if it goes wrong from there. Mm. You could you, yeah. you know, if Inter go and score twenty minutes later or whatever, you can see the headlines that he didn't stick to his guns like he should have. He didn't stick to the system that got him all the way to this point. He switched something up in the 40-odd minute, and and, and it didn't go go right from there. So I think it was really brave of Pep because you could see the tension written all over him in that game. I mean, how many mm. times did he drop down on his knees when Inter were on the counter? Yeah. And, um Despite him shouting at, at the rest of the team, relax, relax, fucking relax. He was anything <laughs> a, but it's a relaxed It's a bit of an oxymoron,
0: that isn't it? When you're screaming yeah. at someone's home, to fucking relax," you're going to do yeah, anything but relax. It's the, it's
3: the, it's um, the, it's the Michael Scott meme. It's happening, it's <laughs> happening. Stay calm, yeah. stay calm, stay fucking calm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I, I think I really do think it was, it was brave of Pep to. To put the trust in Phil and and mm. boy did he answer.
0: By, by the way, a bit off topic, but have you seen Ronnie Foden, Phil Foden's very young son, has become a, a sensation in South America?
3: Yeah the the um all of the celebrations it seems to be Jack is is golden boy number 1 and number 2 is Ronnie Foden. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh god that 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 is a pairing i do not want to see in 20 years time out on uh, Dean's Gate locks or wherever wherever establishment it may be. Um right can okay, then uh how about Edison because i know you spoke about him personally yesterday quite a bit so, I, so I'll take the lead on this one but redemption maybe uh, you know for us us two personally who have come on this show again like we did with jack grealish and uh, you know i'm not i'm not trying to be big headed at all it's tongue in cheek but we have said multiple 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 times edison is city's he, he, he is City's goalkeeper. He isn't the shot stopper that Courtois is or, or even, whisper it, David De Gea once was. He isn't necessarily that commanding figure like Alisson is on one-on-ones who's going to cover the whole goal or even Onana, who I thought was probably, uh, maybe behind DiMarco Marco, was probably Inter Milan's best player on the night. He is so crucial to Manchester City. And it's ironic I felt that he had probably his worst game with his feet in terms of just sort of these wayward passes. But when you've needed him in this Champions League run, think back to Bayern Munich at home. Bayern Munich away, Real Madrid away, popping up with a a save against Benzema in the last minute. Real Madrid at home, he didn't really have to do anything because they were dog shit. But Champions League final... 95 minutes are on the clock, across comes a ball, a header is goal-bound, having already made a couple of saves. Who's there? Everyone else is stranded, helpless, on their knees, thinking, oh my God, this is it. And this was on, just on the players, let alone in the stands. Edison tips it away. Of all the storylines, Jack Grealish is probably my favourite, Kevin De Bruyne is up there, Ilkay Gundwan, but Edison being the man is, it, it fills me with joy because the stick he's got and fair play, you know, the, he he was playing poorly, but the stick he got in a time when everyone was playing poorly, it just, it didn't, it didn't balance out for me. I didn't think like, you know, City were bad. So was Edison. He's part of the team. It's only natural. The defense wasn't great. Edison's part of that as well. So to have that redemption, I just think he's is, is fantastic.
3: Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, I couldn't be happy for him. Couldn't couldn't be happier for him to be honest, because I do think a lot of the stick was unwarranted and and it is kind of this, you know, almost sweet revenge on the critics that um he did it mm. by by shot stopping. He did he didn't do it by, yeah. you know, putting a ball over the top to, to Holland and being like, No, mm. actually this is why I'm useful. He he was showing that he does it all. Um and you know we've said it a million times he is a goalkeeper designed in a lab for pep guardiola's manchester city he he Mm. he is the goalkeeper maybe he wouldn't be the goalkeeper for real madrid he wouldn't be the goalkeeper for liverpool or barcelona whoever it may be but he is designed in a lab for this team Mm. um so it's fantastic to see him him do that in in a way that maybe some doubted that he could
0: yeah and and Quick question for you. How, how much do you think the introduction of Stefan Ortega has, has helped in that sense? Because he's been... Well, Akanji is is another contender for signing of the season. But if you go in a little bit niche, Ortega on a free from relegated Armenia Bielefeld in the Bundesliga. And, and yes, his underlying numbers have, were fantastic. But there's keepers who have come from the... sort of been relegated from the Premier League, which you wouldn't touch with a barge pole, but they have high uh, high save percentages. How much has him putting the pressure on him? Obviously, the last few years we've had the likes of Zach Steffen, who is a, a decent goalkeeper, but he was never of that level. Um, Murich, obviously, Claudio Bravo, who was great, but obviously a, a bit older than than uh, Ortega is. To have that sort of ability to switch in and out when it did get a little bit rough, and have the trust in Ortega for for an FA Cup final to play him against Manchester United, I feel like for the last sort of three months, it's kept it's kept Edison's levels quite high.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always been something that Pep has kind of um, clamored for, which is that that competition inside the squad. Mm. Um, you know, you can look at many signings like Riyad Mahrez coming into the team the year after Raheem Sterling and, and Leroy Sané were bossing it on the wing, and mm. and and players like that. And um, it absolutely breeds the competition. And I'm sure with Ederson, especially at goalkeeper, it's the last position in the world that you want. Your number one getting complacent, so I, I think Ortega was a was a brilliant signing. Um, I'm sure they had that in mind when they signed him, was to bring him in and, and put a little bit of pressure on on Ederson and, and force him to maybe um, take his game to another level. And maybe it didn't happen this season in times, but he absolutely took it to that level when he was needed to.
0: Right. Okay. Moving on. Um, how about this for a Champions League Team of the Year midfield? Rodri. Kevin De Bruyne, John Stones. If I'd have told you this time last year when we, did, when we were recording our sort of end-of-season wrap, having won the Premier League on the final day against Aston Villa, that John Stones would be in the Champions League team of the season, you'd have probably gone, okay, fair enough. But in midfield, what would you have done? Where would you have gone? And how long would this show have gone on for?
3: <laughs> I don't think, like if you gave me a multiple choice of you know the you know the game two truths and a lie
0: yeah 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 if if but, one of
3: the multiple choice options was John Stones is in the Champions League team of the season in midfield but he played as a defender he started in the back four the <laughs> entirety of the campaign as well I don't think I would have been able to make like mm. picture it in my head what basically. what what, the, what are
0: the made up lies that are more realistic than that then
3: um. Pfft. Kevin De Bruyne finally getting the assist record <laughs> and not just tying it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good.
3: Raheem Sterling overperforming his XG.
0: <laughs> Jack Grealish going out for one pint.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, um, but John Stones, man, do you think he should have got man of the match? Was it one of those? Because because like for full clarity, I've not properly watched the game back yet. I've just seen highlights and Rodri was great, but it felt a bit like, goal scorer, gets man of the match, sort of typical UEFA style. John Stones for me, who looked half fit, half fit, not in the sense of attractiveness, in the sense that he, he was barely being able to walk, but he was still the best player on the pitch for me for about 65, 70 minutes.
3: He was. And, and this game in particular, he had a far more advanced role than we've seen as of late with him stepping into yeah. midfield. I mean, he, he essentially was playing as a 10 at times, uh, which is unbelievable. And, um, if you had, you know, told me a year ago that City would be on the counter in a Champions League final and John Stones would be leading it doing stepovers, I'd have probably laughed you out of the room. Um, <laughs> but you know, they asked him after the game, "What position do you play?" and he just said, "Everywhere." <laughs> I mean, that what a guy! And to do and to get in the team of the season doing that, it's it's unbelievable. And let's let's make one thing very clear: there are players in this team that can do all the roles that he played like mm. Calvin Phillips could play in a, in a double pivot. Bernardo Silva mm. could play in a double pivot or, you know, you maybe Joe Cancelo. He can play in a back four and step into midfield and probably do a better job in attack. It's just unbelievable that he's essentially kept some players out of the team that could have maybe on paper done that role better. And mm. it, it's not necessarily that, we've stumbled upon John Stones into midfield because we have no other options. There are other options. He's yeah. just been so good that he's made it his own role.
0: Yeah, and, and that makes it all the better, really, doesn't it? The fact, like you say, there are options there, whereas in other positions, City are a little bit like I think to sort of Nathan Ake at left-back, it'd be interesting to see this time next year if Nathan Ake is sort of still City's first-choice left-sided defender or if there is recruitment in that position. But John Stones... Is built for that role, and we did we did so much about it before the Champions League final in terms of Rico Lewis sort of starting that wheel rolling onto this new position, and John Stone stepping into it, which is still you know it, it fries my head that eighteen year old Rico Lewis set this let set the ball rolling, but it is fantastic, it, it, it's it's brilliant, and another facet of this Champions League treble winning run, which I think. we went, like we said at the start, it it won't sink in for some time. Um, Join us then after this quick break as we we continue the breakdown from Manchester City's treble win. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, as alluded to earlier on in the show. After you've done here, go back and listen to yesterday's show. Much of the same, really, but it was from people who were in Ast- Istanbul. Aston Villa that is not exactly what I wanted to say. People who were in Istanbul and people who were at home watching from Manchester. Um, right, okay then. Let's do a little bit more of the jovial stuff. And there's only one place to start with this, Jack Grealish. We said last time, Adam, from the the trophy parade last year, Jack Grealish is a menace. He was an absolute, you know, he was... He was he was he was bladdered then, and I don't think he's quite recovered since. This man, I I fear for him because I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if his football career is over. Not in the sense that he's done anything wrong, but I'm convinced he's going to have liver damage from the last well, what, five weeks or something like that? And and a serious point on this, Sam Lee did a fantastic article in The Athletic speaking about Guardiola's shift in his mentality after winning trophies. And he mentioned the 2018 Centurions campaign when City won the league, they were in training the next day. And that that was something Guardiola demanded. He wanted the hundred points record. Whereas this year, when there's been a treble on the line, there was a party after beating um sorry, party after winning the the Chelsea. Uh, sorry, beating who did we beat? Chelsea to win the league, but we didn't win the league. We lifted the league. God, it was a good few weeks ago now. Um
3: Yeah, who needs bed more? You or Jack? <laughs>
0: Good question. Um, there was a, a do apparently after the Real Madrid game. There was obviously one against the uh, sorry after the FA Cup final and then a big one, a big party after the Champions League final. That sort of, I feel like more than anything this year, the team bonding, especially post-Christmas when obviously things were looking a little bit dodgy, has been part of the reason why City are where they are now.
3: Yeah, I, I think there's probably a sense of a bit more of a relaxed environment in in the camp this year and i think that that all comes from pep as you've said he he's kind of shifted his own mentality on on you know how he views winning leagues and 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 kind of what you do next and we absolutely saw that this year in in the sense that he basically played none of the starters for any of the games in the build up to the FA Cup final after they'd already won the league and we were kind of saying coming on here every four or five days and saying, well, in the next game is when he'll get the first team back together and 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 mm-hmm. and then, you know, he'll get the 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 momentum rolling again. And yeah. it just didn't it didn't really ever happen. He kind of waited until the FA Cup final. And maybe there was some downsides to that. I think the team looked a little bit rusty in both of the finals. They were KG mm-hmm. finals and finals are finals at the end of the day. Um but I think it absolutely kind of provided a less pressurized environment for the for the rest mm-hmm. of the team. And I think that's what, that's what City needed. Um, I don't know how you could ever go into a Champions League final having never won a Champions League and with the treble on the line without pressure. But it almost felt like there was a lot less pressure on this one. I don't, I don't quite know how to explain that, but it did feel like that. And maybe it's the way the team played leading up to this point that there was the feeling of, they'll find a way to get it done not they'll mm. find a way to fuck it up which which i think that was the the feeling in the mm. past certainly going into champions league knockout ties when you look back at spurs you look back at leon um yeah. you look back at the the final against chelsea i think certainly personally my feeling then was they'll find a way to fuck it up this time it, it very much was they will find a way to get through whatever obstacles in front of them
0: why is that then? Because I think we've had this discussion before and we came to the sort of the answer that it was Erling Haaland because City could, you know, we've we've sort of bullied the mantra in a sense, but City could have 40 shots in, in the last few years and score once, or sorry, score four times, but they might concede five or whatever it is. City only need two or three chances to score two goals with Erling Haaland. But in the last sort of four weeks, maybe. He may have got like two or three goals and and very few of them were significant. He didn't score against uh, Real Madrid in either leg. He didn't score in the FA Cup final. He was not one of the better players on the pitch in the Champions League final, let's put it that way. I still think he did a good job at sort of making a, a menace of himself, but he had one chance, sort of pulled it here. He, he missed time to run earlier on in the first half. So there was obviously something else that has led to this where City, the, the mentality shift. Do you have the answer, Mister Booker? I know it's a, an impossible question, but is there any sort of hunch why?
3: I can only go from my personal feeling, and I remember back in 2019, I was in Manchester for um, the derby, the home derby against mm. uh, Solshars United, the maybe three-one I think, where they just absolutely steamed City on the break. Yeah, yeah. And I remember coming home, well back to the house I was staying at in Manchester and talking with the the group of guys I went to the game with and saying, that game right there is the epitome of why we'll never win the Champions League under Pep. Mm. Because everything that Pep does up to that point, and this was, like I said, 2019, was to avoid the team ever having to suffer. He set his mm. team up to make sure that they never suffered. They always had the ball. They controlled the half spaces. They controlled the midfield to make sure that they never had to suffer. And I think there was a mentality switch, and probably the signing of Ruben Diaz was that mentality switch, which is okay. we're going to build a team that can suffer and enjoy it, <laughs> <laughs> and because I think they yeah. do. You, yeah. I mean, you you look at the run to the final in 2021, and yes, things kind of went haywire in the final, mm. but you know you think back to that PSG semifinal when Zinchenko makes a block, and they're all pounding each other's chests, mm. and and I don't remember seeing that in the early Pep days. I remember seeing it maybe in some of Mancini's teams and with Vinny at the back and, and Les mm. Scott and players like that that were kind of big, burly defenders. Mm. But Pep has found this combination of defenders who can play the ball and defenders that want to suffer. They want to mm. sit on their edge of their box and clear balls away. They want to go up against Lukaku and Dzeko and Lautaro. They, they look mm. forward to those battles as, a, as opposed to hoping they don't end up in that battle because they have mm-hmm. the ball. And I think that's the mentality shift. And for me personally, when I say that I went into this game saying they'll find a way, it's because I knew that if a, a period like the last 10 to 15 minutes came where Lukaku got a couple of chances, Lautaro and Barella's getting on the ball, that I had full belief in the team's ability to suffer through that and probably enjoy the suffering. And that's the mentality switch.
0: Do you enjoy the suffering is the real question.
3: To a point, yeah. <laughs> like afterwards, yeah. Like afterwards, uh, yeah. having I said this on yesterday's yesterday's uh, yeah, podcast, yeah. and I know that I, I uh, others share this sentiment. I'm really glad City won that that game the way they did. I'm mm. really glad it wasn't four nil at halftime and Inter didn't touch the ball. I'm very I, I glad agree. that it was glorious.
0: I agree because I reckon the narrative would have been insufferable. Had that is that blow. too, yeah
3: yeah that too. but also it it shows that they have they have that grit, and we all know that mm. they have that grit, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that maybe were watching their first or second city game of the season, just tuned in for the final and semifinals, mm. whatever, don't watch them in the league. And they'll have all had this image of they just blow teams out of the water because they're too good, they're too expensively mm. assembled, and that's it when really Inter were the better team and Inter yeah. deserved a goal in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate using that phrase because you get you get exactly what you deserve. But but but, but they did that.
0: Le- yeah. they really really did. They should yeah. have scored. They should have scored. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll quickly move on because I'm conscious we're running out of time. But a, a philosophical question. Obviously, we like to to go deep on this podcast. But and and it's sort of thrown you to the lines a little bit. But do you think? And and I'll, I will elaborate after I've asked the question. Do you think Pep Guardiola is underrated as a manager? Because when you were speaking there, I was thinking a lot of the idea around Guardiola is this sort of very principled, very sort of he he has his ways, and most people will believe that he won't he won't shift from them. But what are we now? 2016 when he arrived seven years into his stint he's won the Champions League he's won the treble this Manchester City team is a world apart from the one he first tries to design a world apart from the one that he he first won the league with but hell, it's a world apart from the one he won the league with last season so this this concept of Guardiola as a very sort of one-dimensional but incredible generational football coach is a bit of a myth, isn't it? Because he's shown this year and, and maybe, maybe we're all blindsided by the fact we've got billions and billions and billions and he can buy who he wants and that's the reason why City have won the treble. Spoiler, it's not. But is he underrated? Because he's shifted. He's shifted. He, he, he's, he's given up on his stubbornness if there was any there and he's gone, you know what, maybe I do need to change my deal so I'll build a super team that looks nothing like the one I used to have and do it all anyway.
3: Is he underrated? I think the, <laughs> the question is too complex in the sense that you have different type of football fans and I don't just mean, you know, morons and non morons. But in a sense, I kind (laughs) of mean morons. I I kind of mean (laughs) morons and non-morons. If you go out and you listen to, you know, some of the the more uh notable football journalists out there. And Mm. yes, a lot of them will have their views on city's financial breaches and the money and blah 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 blah. But one thing that remains in the kind of professional football world, if if you can call it that, is that Pep Guardial Pep Guardiola is one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. Mm. And then maybe when you get onto Reddit or Twitter or <laughs> wherever,
2: you know, the, the
3: morons in question, then yeah, they'll just look at Pep managing three of the biggest clubs in the world mm. and has everything kind of given to him on a silver platter. But if you watch Pep Steams on a weekly basis, daily basis, you see the evolutions, you see the hard work, mm. you see – the levels of consistency, you the, the levels of hunger, the drive, and and something that I've always touched on on this show is the fact that they do it year on year. Mm-hmm. You know, They're absolutely going to be treble hunting again next season. Mm. It's not like the Chelsea teams of the mid-2000s or 2010s where they would win a league and then they'd finish 10th. It's win a league and we want another. Win a league and mm. now we want the league and cup double. Now we want the domestic treble now we want to get our first champions league now we want the trouble it it almost feels as if guardiola can never conquer football because in his eyes like until you've won every single game of football Mm. you've ever played and never concede a goal ever again that's his version of conquering football um so yeah i think he he is underrated and the people who suggest that he needs to do it with a lesser club or so on and so forth is just absolute lunacy because he's gotten to where he is because of the decisions he's made, the football he's played, and the things he's won, and he deserves to be where he is. You know, City had this the same resources and the same level of spending before Pep Guardiola. They'll they'll have it after Pep Guardiola. Mm. This level will never be met again. It won't.
0: Yeah, I think City if,
3: fans need to wrap their minds around that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and again, that will come with time. I think when, God forbid, the day it comes, but it will come. Guardiola leaves, um, we'll look back on these these halcyon days with such fondness, and and that's part of the reason why I sound like I do now because I'm well and truly living through it. Um, but you're right, you know, Guardiola can never conquer football. Football can never conquer Guardiola. It's a it's a bipartisan relationship, and I think you know we spoke about it a number of times. Guardiola's legacy is the fact you can go down the park and these kids doing rondos instead of playing heads and volleys like when I used to grow up. These these grassroots football teams obsessed with playing out from the back. That's that's his legacy. The trophies, we love it, but it's it's a byproduct. Um, finally, then uh, Rodri, the, the the best place to end it. I, I found. I found the best part of that, and we spoke before about how we think he's City's most important player, but obviously not everyone else does as we spoke about before, but it was the unlikely heroes for me of the Champions League final, which made it so special. You know, Edison, Ruben Diaz, uh, (laughs) I nearly started singing the song then, it's been ingrained in my head, but Rodri scoring that goal. You know, Kevin De Bruyne went off the pitch. Erling Haaland, as the kids like to say, ghosted the final yet another one but him popping up sort of Yayatore Yayatore-esque maybe I don't know if uh, having said the curse has been lifted if there was some sort of symmetry in a in a mm-hmm. gangly midfielder appearing on the edge of the box to sweep home a shot but um, again you know an, another lad you just absolutely besotted by and, and and what a team in general that that's, it feels like the best place to wrap what a team what a man what a goal what a fantastic few days
3: it was, and and similarly to the to the kind of theory that we're we're glad City won it in the manner they did. Mm. I'm I'm glad that it was somebody like Rodri scoring the winner, mm. someone who is so so important to the team. But because of the work that he does behind the scenes, mm. so to speak, but behind the scenes of Holland and De Bruyne and and players like that, um, you know, people who watch City on a weekly basis will will understand just how mm. vital he is to the team, but. It's incredible that he got to kind of cap off the campaign with the moment, a, a mm. moment that will be etched into city history forever. He could go off to Real Madrid, you know, this summer and he'll still be it'll still be remembered as one of the greatest moments in, mm. in club history. And he'll always be remembered for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm supremely happy for him. Him of all people, he's such a humble guy. We know all the kind of cliche Rodri tweets, the the, the almost Will Still-esque Rodri tweets. He still yeah. lives in in student housing. And despite being think, on 150 because, grand because a week, he, he's got a flip phone and yeah. he uses a horse and carriage to get around Manchester and all of that. But but it's it's true. He's, I, he tucks his kid in.
0: He's not got tattoos and you have. Does that make you a, a horrible person and Rodri a lovely one? Is that how it works? Yes.
3: I would. I'm happier for Rodri because he doesn't have a tattoo, of a candle on his arm like I do. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Well, after a weekend in Istanbul, God knows what tattoos he's got Yeah, he may. Yeah. yeah. Um, But you you bang on. And and I think we had this conversation privately before the Champions League final in terms of who our ideal goal scorer would be. And um, amongst other friends as well, by the way, not just you and I going at each other. But I said sort of like, I wouldn't want the cliched early Haaland 93rd minute winner or something like that. And again, I wouldn't have wanted a 4-0 victory it was perfect it was horrible it was sadistic but it was perfect the way city won it having stunk the gaff out for most of the well in the entire game basically but to have that one chance to score it just makes it all the better for me and and, and yeah yeah the, the perfect weekend really
3: and i think just just before we get out of here one more player that i want to mention in the, in the same kind of line of thinking is is manuel akanji
0: because yes, exactly. yeah, I yeah, think
3: yeah. people may forget because because Rodri was so big in that moment and that that moment will live on forever. People forget that Akanji almost made possibly the worst mistake he could ever make in his career minutes mm. before that. Yeah, and he let that ball go back to Ederson, and and obviously Ederson was big and came out of his off his line and dealt with it. But there was a moment in me when that ball rolled past Akanji and you could see Lautaro breaking onto the ball. When I thought oh, that's why he was a fourth choice center back at Dortmund that they were willing mm. to let go. And mm. I thought, is is all of the hype of this deadline day, 17 million pound signing that we've had all season, mm. is it all coming to a head right now? And that one single lapse in concentration is going to define the season. Mm. And the bravery for him to after that moment in which he, he probably for a split second, that probably felt like two hours to him where he just wanted to be swallowed mm. up by the ground. The audacity for him as a center back, when there's already another center back stepping into midfield with the ball, the audacity for Akanji to step up and play a line-breaking pass against a a very solid inter-back line. Because let's not forget, he made that goal. It was his pass through the line to Bernardo Silva that made that goal. I I just wanted to to give him his flowers and and, and shout him out, because that's unbelievable bravery for a player to step up and do that after almost what happened. Um, So I just, I needed to mention him.
0: Any reason to watch the video of him singing Drake, um, which is what I'm going to do after this, alongside finishing another glass of champagne. And finally, after a mammoth, mammoth, mammoth few days, go to bed. I think I've had six hours sleep since the full-time whistle on Saturday. We are now on Monday afternoon. And, and, And just a quick one. A massive, massive thank you to anyone who's firstly listened to the show. Secondly, come up to me in the street in Istanbul or at any point over the last sort of five, six weeks and, and said the, the the listen along, they love what we do. It, it genuinely, I say it when I meet people, but it genuinely means the world. Um, we've got another, what, three episodes of the week. We may even go into next week yet. We're not sure. We will inform you of the schedule in due course. But the partying, unfortunately, has to stop tonight. We've got the serious stuff coming back tomorrow, maybe speaking about UEFA and the shit show outside the ground at full time. But guys, I love you and I'll leave you. Adam, anything else to add?
3: Uh, No, I love you and I'll leave you as well.
0: Fantastic. Until next time, hopefully my voice is better. We'll see you later.
2: About how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? at participating restaurants only 18 and plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com
0: this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans